So last Sunday we looked at this passage. In fact, we looked at it, this is the third Sunday in a row. I, I think it's a very important scripture that we need to keep in mind. First Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. And these verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. We encourage you to take that out on the back or study questions. The life groups uh, will be going over during the week or you can on your own. This passage says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so according to this passage, we must pray for our new government, that it would help us as believers to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And we will have, God willing, at least a four-year window of what I believe unprecedented religious freedom, and we want to use it to pray for our country, to pray for revival, to pray that God would use us to bring about his purposes, both in our city and in our country. The divisions in our country are becoming sharper. The divisions are becoming more and more between light and darkness, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And unity can only come through the triumph of the gospel. That's the only way that unity can come. And so let's continue to pray for President-elect Trump, uh, that he would build this new government and implement policies that are based on biblical principles. So let's not give up and pray. We prayed for the, over the election, and we need to continue to pray, for there are many, many challenges ahead. Today we're continuing in the message series that we've been in, Living in the Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in greater measure in our lives today, each and every day. We need a greater measure in our church as well. So this morning we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. What are the gifts of the Spirit? The gifts of the Spirit are supernatural gifts that the Spirit gives to believers to accomplish God's purposes. The Greek word for spiritual gifts is charismata, which means gifts of grace. God graciously gives us these gifts to carry out His purposes and His plans. The gifts are not optional, they're of great importance in our own spiritual lives and in the life of the church, and yet they are not very well understood. They're even less utilized in many churches, including, including ours. We want to see God move in a greater measure in the spiritual gifts at Life Church. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Well, Acts 1.8 says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus teaches us here in this verse that the power of the Spirit, which is manifested through spiritual gifts, is to equip believers to be witnesses. And we're going to see uh, how that works during the message this morning. We see spiritual gifts used in evangelism in the ministry of Jesus as he reached out and taught people about the kingdom of God. We see spiritual gifts being used in the early church over and over again. And so spiritual gifts are of great use in evangelism. They're also useful for building up the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one, each believer in the church, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so the gifts of the Spirit are given for 
the building up, the common good of the entire church. A passage we're going to focus on this morning is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, which lists nine different spiritual gifts. It says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And so these nine gifts are the ones that are highlighted in 1 Corinthians 12. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not everything that the Holy Spirit can do. But these are uh, important gifts that are available to each and every believer. 1 Corinthians 14 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Underline the two words, eagerly desire. That's a command of God's word to us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts in our lives and in our church. So even though it is the spirit who gives the gifts as he wills, our part as believers is to eagerly desire to pray that God would use us in these gifts to seek these gifts. And if we don't desire and pray for them, we're not going to receive them. We're not going to receive the blessing that God has attained that God has prepared for us. I notice that we call these gifts. God has gifts for us, and we need to seek him to receive those gifts. We have to unwrap those gifts and use them in order to receive the blessing that he intends for us. And so I trust that today it's going to be a rapid-fire overview of these nine gifts. I pray that it would increase our understanding of these gifts, raise our faith level, and cause each one of us to desire to learn more and to operate in these gifts in our own lives. Now, for sake of discussion, I've divided the nine gifts into three categories. They've been, this category has been recognized by many other people. That's a little, the categories aren't in the strict order that the verses are, but for purposes of discussion, we'll talk about three categories of gifts. The first is the gifts of revelation. Now, these gifts are gifts in which God supernaturally reveals something to you that you could not know by natural means. Uh, when we'll see examples of this in the scripture where God reveals something to a believer that he couldn't possibly have figured out any other way. The Bible is full of examples of this uh, type of gift being used. God distributes this gift to believers not to satisfy our own curiosity, not to give us answers to questions we might have, but to further his plan and purpose. The first, the first gift of revelation is the message or word of wisdom. Uh, just one example here, it says in Acts 6, it's speaking of Stephen speaking in front of a crowd of people who were ultimately going to be his persecutors, people who were arguing with him about the gospel. It says they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. And so we see in this passage that Stephen was full of the spirit, and the spirit gave him a message of wisdom to speak to the people. He didn't come up with the message that we read in the scripture by 
studying in his study, the Holy Spirit gave it to him at that moment to accomplish God's purpose. And so this gift is a revelation of the Spirit that applies God's wisdom to a situation or a problem. It's a message of wisdom, word of wisdom, that's beyond human understanding. It's not something we could come up by ourselves. God just gives it to us. And so to operate in this gift, as in all the gifts, we must be full of the Holy Spirit in order to receive messages of wisdom from God. The next gift is the message or word of knowledge. And as we go through these gifts, I'm going to try to take an example, and we certainly don't have time to read the whole passages of of the examples we're giving. You can look these up on your own during the week. I'd encourage you to to see how they operated in this situation. These are not the only examples, but just I'll pick one for each gift to highlight the operation of the gift. This one is from Acts chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? And so here we have the case where Ananias and his wife sold some property and gave money to the church. What's wrong with that? Well, what was wrong with it is they said, I sold this property for, uh, I just make up money. They didn't have dollars back then, but, you know, $10,000 or say $100,000. And we've given it all to the church when, in fact, they really sold it for $150,000 and they only gave part of it to the church. And the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter the truth. He didn't know this by figuring things out. Nobody whispered in his ear what they had done. It was a secret. Just the only people who know who knew were Ananias and Sapphira. And so the Holy Spirit gave Peter this revelation, a message, a word of knowledge, something that he couldn't possibly have known. And Peter then confronted them and brought God's judgment on them. It's a, uh, it's a warning. It's a warning story about the consequences of sin. You haven't read the story, both God struck both Ananias and Sapphira dead. And so anyhow, the difference between a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge is that a message of knowledge supernaturally reveals new, un- previously, previously unknown information to someone, to a believer. A message of wisdom, on the other hand, reveals a, a way to wisely deal with a problematic situation or circumstance. And so th- they are very closely related, but there are distinctions there. And as a believer, God wants us to operate in the spiritual gifts. And as we'll see as we go through this morning, these gifts are not meant just to operate in church services. These gifts are meant to operate throughout life. And Peter was not in a church service when he confronted Ananias and Sapphira. And so these are meant to operate all through our lives. The third gift of revelation is the distinguishing between spirits. Now, what are the spirits that this gift refers to? Well, there are basically three kinds of spirits. The first is a human spirit. It's in every person. You know, we have a spirit, uh, a human spirit. Secondly, there's the Holy Spirit. 
And thirdly, there are demonic spirits. There's all kinds of demonic spirits. And so we cannot see these spirits with our natural eyes. And so this gift gives the believer the ability to distinguish or discern between which spirit is operating in a person, which spirit is operating in a situation. Acts 16 is an example in the life of Paul. Uh, once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit, this would be an evil demonic spirit, by which she predicted the future. And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And so in this case, the Holy Spirit gave Paul the ability to distinguish that this slave girl was operating with an evil demonic spirit. And this spirit could predict the future through supernatural means. And she was following Paul around and she was giving them problems and trouble as they witnessed to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul discerning that this girl was, was demonized by this evil spirit finally turned around and spoke to the spirit and cast it out of her, setting her free, and getting rid of the problem. And the ministry could continue. And so we really need this, this gift today, particularly enabled to be able to distinguish between mental illness and demonic influence and possession. We really need the gift today to distinguish what's going on in people's lives and how do we deal with it. So we've mentioned now the, the command in Scripture that every believer should eagerly desire these gifts. Now, why aren't more people operating in the gifts of the Spirit? Well, I believe the first and foremost reason is that the New Testament assumes after the book of Acts that every believer is water baptized and spirit baptized. And these gifts that we're talking about today are almost exclusively seen in spirit baptized believers. And so if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you're probably not going to experience these gifts in your life. Spirit baptism is the gateway opening to the supernatural dimension of the Christian life. And so if you haven't been baptized in the Spirit, I encourage you to seek to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We pray for you after every service. We would love to have you come forward for prayer for that. The second reason that people don't operate in the spiritual gifts as much as they should is that even spirit-baptized believers often don't really understand the gifts and secondly, don't have faith that they can operate in these gifts. And as we study the Bible, as we believe, when we read what happened in Bible times, as we choose to believe that the same things can happen today, as we choose to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and, and tomorrow, our faith will grow and will operate in the gifts more and more. So those are the gifts of revelation, the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge and distinguishing between spirits. The next classification is the gifts of power. Uh, these three gifts are demonstrations of God's power. They're particularly useful in evangelism and witnessing. The first one we want to talk about is the gift of faith. Jesus said in Matthew 17, because you have so little faith, he was speaking to his disciples. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. 
nothing will be impossible for you. Now, many of these spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today overlap. They can be used in conjunction with other gifts, and this is especially true of the gift of faith. Now, really, the gift of faith is, is necessary to operate in any of the gifts. I mean, you need faith to operate in the gifts. But the gift of faith primarily refers to a supernatural gift of faith to believe God for extraordinary things, to believe God to do things that couldn't possibly happen through natural means. Jesus spoke in these verses about faith that could move mountains. And of course, he wasn't speaking of literal mountains. I mean, what's the point in moving Mount Everest, you know, from its present location? He was talking about moving mountains that face the church, moving mountains that face you in your life through the gift of faith, faith for which, with which all things are possible. Now, the gift of faith is not the faith that you were saved by. I mean, we all have to have faith to become believers. He's not talking about that. The gift of faith here is, is the faith that supernaturally believes God for accomplishing things through the Spirit of God. Second gift of power is gifts of healing. Example from Acts chapter 14, speaking of Paul interacting with a lame man who had been lame from birth. So he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. So, in these verses in Acts chapter 14, Paul first operates in the message of knowledge. How can you see a man has faith to be healed? I mean, you can't see that. As God revealed it to him, he was able to see in the spirit that this guy has faith to be healed. When I speak the word, this man has the faith to believe that God was going to heal him. And so he operated in a message of, of knowledge. He saw the lame man had faith to be healed. Then he operated in a gift of healing. He gave the command to the man to stand. And this man had been lame from birth. And I believe the gift of faith must have been present. How can you give a command like that unless you have great faith that God is going to do something extraordinary here, something that's beyond human understanding? Now, this gift is the only one that's referred to in the plural in this list. It's gifts of healing. There are many types of illnesses, so there are different gifts of healing. And there are people that operate in, in a gift of healing that operates in certain kind of, for certain kind of illnesses, and they have the faith, a gift from God, to pray for people who have certain types of illnesses. They're of great importance in witnessing. God loves to demonstrate his concern for, his compassion, his power to people who are not yet believers. And we see this in Jesus' ministry, do we not? He healed all kinds of people. We see it throughout the book of Acts. So God wants us to eagerly desire to move in this gift. The third gift of power is the gift of miracles. Acts 19, God did extraordinary miracles. You see, there are miracles and there are extraordinary miracles. Through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. And so the gift of miracles, it in a sense encompasses both 
the gifts of healing and deliverance from demons. In this passage, Paul did extraordinary miracles through Paul. I mean, I don't even know how it worked. But somehow the presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong that it accompanied the, these handkerchiefs and cloths that were around Paul. I know this one is abused, okay? So don't send in your 1995 to receive an anointed prayer cloth from Evangelist X. Um, I don't think that's what Paul did. Okay, so uh, just be warned. I hope I didn't offend anybody, but I don't believe uh, that's the way it works today. I'm not saying that this couldn't happen or doesn't happen today, but it's not something you make money over. Uh, it's not something that we would abuse in such a way. And so, in this case, physical illnesses were healed, evil spirits were cast out. The gift of miracles, of course, is broader than just healing and deliverance. Other examples we see in Scripture is people being raised from the dead. In the ministry of Jesus, multiplying bread and fishes to people. I mean, there, it, it can encompass any type of miracle that God wants to do. Now, some people get hung up trying to discover what gift they have. You know, do I have this gift or do I not have this gift? How do I know what gift I have? And I believe the Bible teaches us that Spirit-baptized believers can be used by the Spirit to operate in any gift at any time. You need to be open to it. But it may well be, it often is, that a believer will operate in some gifts much more than others. Now, how do you know what spiritual gift God may use you in? As I said before, first you need to be Spirit-baptized. You, you really do. And then your desire, next step is to desire to be used by God and spiritual gifts, and look for opportunities for God to use you. And finally, you need to step out in faith and seek to meet needs through the supernatural power of God and trust the Holy Spirit to help you meet that need. I encourage you to pray for people to be healed wherever you go. Everybody can do that. There's sick people all around us. It's a very easy thing to do. Some people will discover they have the gift of healing. As they pray for people, a lot of people get healed. And some other people may not have that gift. But prayer is a great way to witness to unbelievers. Third category is gifts of utterance. Having to do with speaking. Uh, speaking what the Holy Spirit has given you to speak. And to be used in these gifts, you have to learn to submit your tongue to the Spirit. It seems to be more difficult for some people than others. The first gift is speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So what is speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is speaking a language you do not know. I'm not speaking in tongues right now. You know, I'm speaking in English. I know perfectly well what I'm saying. Speaking in tongues is speaking in a language you do not know through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as we'll see here, speaking in tongues is prayer to God. You're actually speaking to God. It's a form of prayer. Now, there are two ways that God's Word instructs us about speaking in tongues. There's a private use of tongues and there's a public use of tongues. When a person is spirit-baptized, they receive the ability to speak in tongues 
or pray in a prayer language, we might say, whenever they desire. Paul himself said he spoke in tongues privately more than everybody else. Uh, the Bible tells us it's, it's uh, something that builds you up. We'll see that in the next verse, verses that we read. And so since every spirit-baptized spirit believer can speak in tongues privately, and yet only some will be used in the gift of public tongues. So that is the distinction in a public service. And so speaking in tongues is praying to God in a language you don't know. Talked about this before in this series. When you pray in tongues, you're praying in accordance with God's will. You're praying a perfect prayer that will be answered. And so the more we speak in tongues, the more God will accomplish his purposes through and in our lives. Now, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, which in your action items at the bottom of your Note, study God. I've encouraged you to read those three chapters this week to get a better understanding of what we're talking about today. In those chapters, Paul's addressing an issue in the Corinthian church in which people were speaking in their private prayer language in a public service. Everybody was doing it once. There was great confusion and people were not being edified or built up. Uh, nobody knew what anybody else was saying. It was kind of chaotic. And that's why there's another gift the interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Okay, it's a good thing. You build yourself up. It spiritually strengthens you. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy in church is what he's saying here. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. And as I said, when you pray in tongues privately, when you pray in your prayer language, you edify, you build yourself up. Uh, the, the more you do, the more you build yourself up, and that's a good thing. But in a church service, the gifts are to be used for the common good. And so these verses give instruction that if somebody speaks in tongues in a public service, there needs to be an interpretation of the tongue so people can understand what was being prayed, what was being said. And if there's no interpretation, then uh, the, the tongues was really out of order. And that's what was happening in the Corinthian church at that time. So either the person who prays in tongues in a public service needs to interpret or somebody else in the service needs to interpret in order for it to be in keeping with scriptural guidelines. The last gift of utterance is the gift of prophecy. Of course, Paul mentioned it in the verses we just read. Verse 3 says, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Now, when you speak or pray in tongues, who are you speaking to? It says you're speaking to God. We talked about that. When you prophesy, you're speaking to men, speaking to people. Now, preaching like I'm doing right now, where I prepare a message, I study God's word, I do, you know, pray about it, but this is not prophecy. Uh, some people say preaching is prophecy. Prophecy is when the Spirit speaks to you and gives you a message from God to strengthen, encourage, comfort the church. It's, it's something where He gives you the words to say. You don't come up with them yourself. He gives you the words. He speaks to you. He tells you what to say supernaturally. Most of the time, right in the, at the time 
where the message is needed, right at the time when the prophecy is being given. Prophecy may include prediction of the future, or it may not. Uh, we see examples of both, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in the book of Acts. It's an example of prophecy with prediction of the future, and sometimes not. Paul makes it clear that every spirit-baptized believer can prophesy, and he wants them all to prophesy. Those who have a regular ministry of prophecy would have a ministry gift of a prophet or prophetess. And those are mentioned uh, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, and other places. We've already read 1 Corinthians 14, 1. God's word says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And so prophecy is very important, building up the church to be everything that God intends. And so we need to eagerly desire that gift. The gift can be operated in, in the service on Sunday morning, can be operated in in life groups, it can be operated in in other places as well. It's a very important gift that we need to seek God that it might be manifested in greater dimension in our church and through more people. And so today we've taken a very quick overview of nine spiritual gifts that are discussed in 1 Corinthians 12. As I said before, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 this week and to get these verses in context to understand better what we're talking about and then begin to pray begin to seek god first of all to be spirit baptized if you have not been you need to seek god until it happens and secondly seek him to be used in spiritual gifts and our motivation in desiring spiritual gifts is not to build ourselves up or to do something great our motivation is to be able to help people through the supernatural power of god to do God's work in the church, to do God's work in the world. And when this week when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you'll find out that our motivation in the spiritual gifts is to be love. A love for God, love for other people. The gifts of the Spirit give us the power to meet needs supernaturally and bring others to Jesus. So I encourage all of us as a church that we would Continue to pray, continue to seek God, that he would lead us into greater power for his glory and for his kingdom expansion. Of course, to operate in spiritual gifts, you have to be a believer. Spiritual gifts don't operate in unbelievers at all. To be a believer, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to admit that you've sinned. You need to ask God to forgive you to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead three days later, and to commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like us all to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you don't know, if you've ever made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to pray this prayer with me, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him this morning. Pray something like this along with me in your own mind. God knows what you're thinking. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've been following my own plans for my life, not yours. 
please forgive me. Come into my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead and that he's alive today. I commit my life to following him and his word, following him as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that give us the power to do supernatural things that we could not possibly do by natural means. God, we pray that you would build our faith and help us to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. May we pray, may we believe you for them, both in our individual lives and for our church family. Forgive those of us who have not actively sought to be spirit baptized. Forgive those of us who have not obeyed your word to desire these spiritual gifts. We repent for our disobedience. We want to be channels for your supernatural power to flow through us to reach a lost and dying world. And finally, we ask for your wisdom and your guidance for President-elect Trump and Vice President-elect Pence as they put together this new government. May the policies that they enact, God, protect the church and allow it to preach the gospel unimpeded. Lord, we pray that you would bring revival to this country through your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.